You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Are you a diehard comic book collector? Or maybe a lapsed fan? Maybe even someone who has never picked up a comic book in their life. Hi, I'm Remso Martinez. And I'm Mark Clare. Every single Wednesday at the Second Print Comics Podcast, Remzo and I take a deep dive into the storylines, character arcs, moments, and events that made us the fans we are today. Tune in every Wednesday for new episodes available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and wherever else podcasts are available. Check out more from the Second Print Comics Podcast at secondprintcomics.com. You're on the run with Remzo W. Martinez. My mom tells me, well, usually when when she's reminding my brother and I in front of my father, that uh, when my dad, who's a class of 92 Citadel grad, the Citadel, the military college of South Carolina, that as proud as he is of it now, that as often as he will, uh, you know, talk about good times and what he likes about it he wants to go back and do this and he, he's gone back and given lectures he's gone back to alumni weekends he's gone just to check out the school hit the gift shop he's proud of his experience which was a was a hard one and he, he achieved it it was a goal he had since i think he was 12 years old but what my mom will remind me is that when she first met my father when he was in his early 20s uh, b- before they got married that uh, he would talk about it and he would he would, uh, he, he would he would say some not so kind things about it and he did not necessarily uh, speak about the Sura with love and adoration usually it was uh, words that he probably wouldn't appreciate me saying out loud since he's not here but uh, over time his heart has softened towards it even towards the first military school that he did a year at. It was a military junior college called Valley Forge Military Academy and College in Valley Forge, Pennsylvania. He went there for a year, and then he went on to do three years at the Citadel. But uh, I think I'm at that point now. I graduated from Marion Military Institute, the Military College of Alabama, in 2015. It was a two-year military school. I graduated with my associates in an early commission in the Army as a second lieutenant, and uh, I'm still not a fan. I think that I had many, many gripes and complaints about school and the administration and the people and the food and the weather and the town and and everything. And it just, you know, it, it. I still get frustrated sometimes, but as I get older and as the years are starting to kind of weigh on me, um, the thing that really gets me thinking is more is when I see updates from some of the people that I went to school with and I don't keep in touch of too many, I think probably less than 10. And we've been able to, you know, keep in touch over the years and they're, they're having kids now they're going bald, they're moving, they're starting careers. Um, sadly, uh, some of them are no longer with us. So you get to see people really become, uh, old people. And as a millennial, it's a, it's terrifying I see 30 around the corner, and uh, it looks at me and whispers, death, but whatever. Um, I got an email 
recently talking about uh, alumni weekend at Marion Military Institute. And I have vowed never, ever, ever to go back to Marion, Alabama. Um, ever, 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 ever. And I don't think I'll ever go back. But um, I, I look at this time in my life and I, I, I try not to talk about it to other people because I always just end up shitting on it. It was a, it was a difficult time in my life, but ultimately if I've learned anything over the last, um, you know, seven years since I started five years since I graduated, no, six years since I graduated, so eight years since I started, God, it's, it's, it's horrifying to think of, um, I'm trying to focus on the, the, positives that came out of it. And really, as I, I look back at the things that frustrated me and the things that challenged me, uh, you know, a lot of it was probably my own doing. Now, the only thing I can do is choose what I reflect upon and how I'm going to take those memories and take those feelings and how am I going to manifest them into something else? Because if I just look back and get mad or frustrated about stuff, it's just going to impact me now. It's like it's just a memory. Yeah, it comes with feelings, but it's done. It's gone. The dirt has settled. The The balances have been paid. People have moved on and done so many other things since then, myself included. So today I wanted to go ahead and share with you a little bit about my time there, really my first couple of years in the Army as well. I was, a, I was in the Alabama National Guard, and uh, this was all preparing me not only really enter my first crucible into manhood, but, you know, prepare me to be an army officer and just, just a functioning, contributing member and citizen of society. So what I've done together is I've put together five lessons I learned from my time as a member of the Corps of Cadets at Mary Military Institute. Uh, not going to sugarcoat things, but I don't want to dwell on the things that I could dwell on either. I want to keep this productive because that, that is the, the best thing to do. I know that that is what I should do because it is the right thing and it's the smart thing to do. So uh, starting off, I, I got a scholarship. I got ROTC scholarship. I got accepted to the school. I was actually the first person in my graduating class in high school to be accepted to a college. And, uh, you know, prior to that, I thought I, I, I really am like my standard was VMI, Virginia Military Institute in Lexington, Virginia. Like that was my standard. But I, I, I was basically put on the list of people that w could apply a year later if we did school elsewhere, or we were like on a reserve list. And you know, my ACT scores weren't great. Uh, didn't didn't do enough sports. I don't, I don't really know. My math scores, <laughs> my my math grades weren't that great. I had a pretty good GPA. I, I mean, I I was I was good enough to be basically on the wait list. But I knew that. I, I need to go where one, I could get the money to do it. And two, where I could go ahead and at least become an army officer, which was, which was my goal at the time, um, which I eventually did succeed at. Um, so VMI, uh, they're basically like, sorry, man, it, it ain't going to happen. So I was, I was upset, but luckily because I had that gold standard, I was still able to get two year army ROTC scholarship and I was accepted to Marion Military Institute. So I already had my backup set up, and it's a pretty good backup. So I have to pay for school, and, you know, this school you can commission in two years just by getting your ass kicked for two. That's a pretty good deal. So I wasn't that upset that VMI uh, didn't work out, but, you know, it was kind of there. 
And uh, what ended up happening was I went to LTC, which is called Basic Camp, which is a you know a condensed basic training. Um, I did that about a week after I graduated from high school. I was 18. I did that at Fort Knox, Kentucky. Um, graduated, and I had a couple days off. And then I had to go ahead and matriculate into the Corps of Cadets for ITC, Initial Training Course, which is about uh, two and a half weeks. And, uh, you know, that's basically where you learn how to drill and prep your uniform and all, all the things you need in order to be a cadet in the Corps. And, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was a, it was a rough summer. I mean, it was, it was incredibly hard. Um, you know, it was one of those situations where I, I was afraid of everything because you see the videos and, you know, I, I watched the show called surviving the cut where they basically take you through like what, what's like to try and become a member of like the Navy SEALs or, um, Air Force Pararescue, uh, Navy EOD, MARSOC, Green Beret, Army Rangers. And then, you know, you go on YouTube and you go on the YouTube rabbit holes of how to prepare for basic training and everything. So it was, uh, it was rough, but here, here's what I ultimately was able to figure out. By the time I had finished um, training at Fort Knox and I went into the Corps of Cadets, I just spent all summer like losing weight, le- learning how to, how, how to be a soldier, for, you know, at least the basics, and getting yelled at by adults that, you know, were, were just screaming in my ear constantly. It was, it was not fun, and the weather was terrible too. I mean, Fort Knox, it's always terrible. Um, but I, I go from that, and I go home, and my friends have really very little understanding of what I went through. But, I mean, they could see how it, it was physically on me. I lost a ton of weight. I was a, I was a big boy going in. I came out uh, a lean freaking killing machine. But I was afraid of what the core cadets would be like. And let me tell you, my first day as I moved into my dorm with my roommate and they do a little barbecue for the families and you, and you hug your parents and, you, you know, you kiss your mom and you go march off to the barracks. And that's when they just fuck around with your head all night and make you run around, do push-ups, scream at you. Um, I, I was really, really intimidated. But here's the thing. <laughs> like, within 15 minutes, I realized that this was nothing because here I am. Ha- half the half the cadet staff weren't even part of the ROTC curriculum I was in. So I have like these fat, uh, I mean, like you, you wouldn't believe it, but there were some fat people there, like big, big, like, you know, fat Albert, fat people who are yelling at me and calling me names and telling me to do push-ups. And it's like, I want you to do a push-up with me. And, you know, quickly it got to the point where it's like, this is a, this is a fucking joke. And mainly it was one of those situations where it was like, I just went through all this shit and this is supposed to be difficult. What was really funny was that, um, you know, it, you, you don't have to be going into the military, go to a military junior college or any military college, except the service academies. So I was part of the ECP, the early commissioning program, army ROTC. You had, uh, people that were prepping and go to the service academies, coast guard, air force, West point, um, you had people that were just part of the Corps of Cadets, so they were just regular civilians that were just doing the military school experience. And for those guys specifically, like they're crying and they're freaking out. And I mean, they just, it, for them, it was, it was a lot, but it was one of the situations where I actually just tried to have fun with it. I mean, my roommate and I had both uh, been part of the same, uh, battalion, at that point, I, a bunch of my friends who I went through everything with during the summer were also there with me. 
So it was pretty familiar, and we're just looking around. You know, we're, we don't want to be smarmy because we don't want anyone to, like, zero in on us. But it was one of the situations where it's like your fears are probably worse than reality. And, and you know, it, it was that phase. I remember when we started doing military science lab and everything where you're doing, like, squad-level tactics and you're, and you're learning how to basically, you know, to do assaults and stuff like that. Um, it, it was also another situation where it's like – you know, you think you're just going to get yelled at and everything's just going to suck all the time. But really, uh, the, the worst thing that I could possibly think of were the things in my head because nothing was ever that incredibly difficult. And ultimately, as you're going through it and you're just paying attention to the here and now and you're just trying your best, ultimately, th- things were pretty okay. And, and that sums up a lot of things. I, I've dealt with a pretty bad anxiety Um throughout my life in the last couple of years, primarily I've tried to really uh, take care of it, really address it. And the one thing that you learn in therapy when you're going through this is that everything in your head is the worst case scenario. And really it is because, you know, often if you're worried about something, um, you have to ask like, what what really is the situation? And you go ahead and break it down. And, and realistically, nine times out of 10, none of my greatest fears ever became true. And often I think about how I was when I was 18, imagining all these terrifying, extremely difficult, horrifying scenarios. And I, I compare it to myself as, a, as an older adult now. Um, and it's, it, I, I look at that and it's like, I stress myself out. I, you know, I let it affect my personality and my decisions. And ultimately I just need to remember this. And, and this is the first point that I want to reiterate. Your fears are probably worse than reality. Um, secondly, you're, you're going to fail sometimes, but that's the result of daring to try. Um, the fact that I was able to make it through, uh, Fort Knox that summer was big. I was not an athlete. I was not in shape. I was overweight. Uh, I had to lose, I I lost, no, I lost 40 pounds that summer. Like none of my clothes fit me when I got back. And most people in my neighborhood didn't recognize me. I went from being the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man to being, you know, in, in my mind at least, Jason Bourne, though I, I still had to, you know, get some muscle tone and, and some, in, you know, cardio endurance. But, like, I, I, I looked I looked like I could, you know, bite the head off a bat, get into a bar fight. It was pretty fun, especially with the shaved head. Um, but, uh, you know, at that point, I had gone through that. And I'm thinking this is the biggest challenge of my life. And really, as I look back, that was the biggest challenge of my life. Um, because it was just one of those things that it's like every day was just, was just, I had to take things day by day. It was really rough, spiritually, physically, emotionally. Uh, it, it was, it was rough, but you know, I go through that and I'm thinking nothing can hurt me. I just went, I already went through hell. What's going to be worse. And then I go through ITC with my friends and we end up, you know, graduating from that a few weeks later. And I mean, I just remember the people that were, were like quitting and dropping out and stuff. It's like, it'll, it'll just end soon enough. So I'm thinking, wow, I'm, I'm even a bigger badass. I've gone through two really difficult things that make people quit over the summer. I mean, lots, lots and lots of people just fucking quit. And they go home and they and they do the quitters walk and everyone makes fun of them. Like it's I never wanted to be that person. So I go through that and I think I'm just the biggest fucking badass. And then what I tried to do my first semester was I tried out for the honor guard. And uh, you know, at, at at the school you had the honor guard, they're the guys that do 
uh, drill and ceremony, um, take care of the, the big parade flags and everything. Uh, then you had the White Knights, which was the precision rifle drill team. Then you had, um, who else you had? You had Swamp Fox, which was just like a frat where they basically take you through the equivalent of like special forces selection. But it's more like how often can you get waterboarded and go weeks without sleep while also trying to do homework. Um, you know, I, I wanted to do Honor Guard. And it was about a three-week uh, training and selection. So all you really have to do is just pay attention, learn the stuff, and wait it out. And, uh, you know, at this point we're doing classes. So if you weren't doing classes, you were doing everything that the honor guard cadre wanted you to do. And they had their own command structure and everything. So like, you know, your squad leader in the Corps of cadets could theoretically be the honor guard company commander. Uh, it was, it was kind of all over the place, but, uh, you know, my, my grades were not solid yet. Uh, you know, for the, for the, uh, APFT, the army physical fitness test, um, you know, I had not passed it yet, so I couldn't actually contract into the ROTC battalion, uh, which, you know, and that was, that was really important because the sooner I contracted to actually, you know, be on the course to eventually get a slot to go to LDAC, which is now called advanced camp, um, you need, you need to be contracted to go that. So then eventually you could actually commission at the end of the two years when you get your early commissioning and your associates. So then you could go on to your, uh, you know, your, your follow-up college to finish undergrad. And, um, you know, at that point, you know, first semester, not, not everybody, uh, you know, who was in the program was able to commission first semester, but you had to get done your first year. So if you could get done first semester, um, that was, that was saying something. And, uh, because it was one less thing you had to worry about. Um, but you know, at this point I've got all this stuff going on and I think I can go ahead and rack on one more, but I had slept through my alarm clock for Honor Guard PT. And at this point, um, you know, ROTC PT was Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and Honor Guard PT was Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday. But if you were doing Army ROTC, if you were doing Army ROTC PT, you had to do that. So, you, you know, it was one or the other. Um, I had missed a Thursday. So at that point, I remember the honor guard first sergeant like kicked in the door to my freaking room and he's yelling at me and he's like, you want to quit? You want to quit? You have to go outside and you have to say you want to quit. Um, and that was it. What you had to do if you wanted to quit honor, the honor guard cycle was that you had to go in front of everybody and you had to say, I quit honor guard. The idea of doing that horrified me, um, ended up allowing me to quit that because I was, I was on the brink of either fucking up my grades or not being able to, you know, focus on working out to get ready for my BT test or everything else. Um, it was the fact that the dean of the college, uh, you know, he liked me, brought me and gave me some advice. And he was like, listen, man, like you can't do everything. And, uh, you know, I, I, was, I was pretty heartbroken. And I told him, I can't go out there and say I'll quit. So in a way, I, I kind of copped out because he said, I'm going to go ahead and just pull in the guy and I'm just going to tell him, I've decided that you shouldn't do this, um, which is ultimately what he was recommending. He was like, something's got to go. And this is like the least important thing. So even though I did not have to do what all the others had to do who quit and say it in public and have the public shaming happen, it still hurt me nonetheless. But 
in the long run, it was the best decision that I could make um, because I had to contract eventually. I would, I would, I would, I would eventually contract towards the end of the year. I'm pretty sure I was the last person in my company to contract. And uh, luckily, um, you know, one of the reasons why was because every every first year cadet had a second year mentor, and mine was the 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 battalion uh, the the battalion sergeant major for the Corps of Cadets, who was also Army ROTC, who was Airborne School and Air Assault certified. His name is Tyler Mauser. Um, he was also the commander of the Ranger Challenge team. Ranger Challenge is like the varsity sport of ROTC. Uh, the the uh, the battalion uh, ROTC military science professor, professor military science PMC, he assigned him to me because he's like, if this guy can't get you ready, nothing can. And, you know, I did Ranger Challenge for the spring and that got me up to passing tests. They were giving me, like, toward, towards the last couple of months, they were giving me, like, three PT tests a week. And luckily at this point I was passing all of them. So all the stuff I needed to pass, I eventually passed and I got my scholarship and I was able to get a slot to go to LDAC. So, you know, my, my journey there was good. My grades were up, but none of that would have happened if I had ended up just failing, um, the first semester because I, I, I didn't have, you know, the, the I, I didn't have the ability to look at the full situation and my ego got in the way. And it was like, yeah, I would have done this extra thing, but that extra thing would have actually screwed up all the actual reasons I'm here. So, which is to say, you know, sometimes you'll fail, but that's the result of daring to try. And, um, you know, uh, I've succeeded at a lot of things and I have failed at a ton. And it's just how it is. What I, what I saw pretty often was that the people who were just, you know, the, the term is spotlight ranger, the people who, it seems they are perfect at everything and they never fail. And they're just the, the top of the top when those people would fail or lose at like the slightest thing for them, it was like the biggest fucking problem that they'd ever encountered. And they end up just spiraling out of control. And, uh, they, they either, you know, they, they, most of the time they, they just, they made themselves quit. It's like they self sabotaged because they couldn't take it. The thing is if you fucking fail, just fail, learn your lesson and move on. But they would take it as I'm a failure for life and they would just let it just completely screw them over. So, I mean, failure is going to happen. Success is going to happen. But, you know, you're not deemed one or another just because of the streak you're on. So just, you know, you tried, you failed, move on. You can try again. I could have done it like my second year, probably should have. But at that point, I was like, I'm, I'm already out the door. I'm about to get all my shit and leave. This won't matter at my next school. No one will give a shit. I'm not wearing a uniform. Um, so yeah, uh, third stress will show you a person's true colors. There's a term I learned very, very, uh, familiar term for anyone who served in the military, blue Falcon, blue Falcon's a PC way of saying buddy fucker. And your buddy fucker is the guy who takes all the toilet paper from the latrine because you're all given a ration of toilet paper. Your buddy fucker is the person that won't help you carry your load so he lets you fail, and when you fail, uh, the whole squad fails, and when the whole squad fails, the platoon fails, and when one of you fails, you all get punished. Uh, he's the person that rats you out. Uh, he's the person that lies to you. He's the person who uh, you know slacks off, and when he slacks off and your room has failed a room inspection, uh, your shit gets tossed on the floor too. 
Um, my first roommate was a giant buddy fucker. He actually had done all those things. And when he would get in trouble, I would get in trouble because it was one of those environments where it's like when one fails, we all fail. And we all remember that person. Um, the, the other thing though, is this was the first, uh, FTX we had, it was our first field training exercise. And I, I want to state that at the beginning of the cycle, so not even before the school year started, this is like pre Fort Knox, they had something called tiger camp and tiger camp before it became the, the, the pussy force it is now, or, you know, you see photos online of the people going through that and they're freaking smiling and shit. Tiger camp, when I went was where they bring down a couple of drill sergeants, leave them unsupervised, and they fuck with you like no like no one can imagine. Like, you know, pe- people who have dealt with this type of stuff before know what it's like, but for somebody that thought that this was just where they prep you to go on to LTC to, at Fort Knox, this was where essentially they were like, if you're going to be part of this early commissioning program to try and become an officer, a leader of men in two years, we need to weed out the week. At the very beginning... So it would have been a class of 2015. This is starting in June of 2013. We had almost uh, 130 people. By the time the school year started, so let's say after ITC, so right when you know the, you're part of the Corps of Cadets, but they're no longer going to haze you, all that stuff. When the school year started, it went from 120-something to just around 76 and by the time the semester ended and they started doing cuts, it was about um, 50. And then I think it was like around 40 or so that um, went to LDAC. And in terms of people that came back, it was around uh, 38. And by the end of the year, the people who had actually graduated from the school of their degree – and their commission in the army, it was about 27. So it was one of those situations where it was like people got kicked out because they failed PT tests. People got kicked out because of disciplinary issues. People got kicked out because of grades or a mix of all those things. And just a lot of people fucking quit. And, you know, it was it was that factor. But the other thing is, like, you get to learn about people. And you're going to learn things that you really admire about people that from people you might not expect. And you're going to learn things about people who you do respect that are going to make you really question that. Um, one of the people during my first FTX, he was leading a squad during, during an ambush exercise. And the thing about Marion was the, the to, to its strength, because it's in the middle of nowhere, they could set up like little Vietnam behind the school. So barbed wire, uh, trenches, bunkers, everything you need to simulate like, you know, an austere Vietnam style environment. I say that because this program was created uh, to accelerate the number of officers into the military during the Vietnam War. Um, it, it was there. So, you know, we're doing this exercise and we're moving through the woods. We've got our, you know, our, our rucksacks and our, you know, dummy rifles and everything. We've got our you know, our, our, our face paint on, we're, we're, we're in full combat mode. One of, one of the guys in my squad accidentally falls and gets trapped in old serpent, uh, serpentina wire. And he is screaming and it's cutting into him. And we're all looking at him. We're like, we got to get him the fuck out of there. And we're just like, bud, just, just stay there. We're, you know, the more you move it, the more it's going to hurt you. 
um, the squad leader who was being evaluated, he cared more about getting a good evaluation and, you know, getting to where he needed in the time that he was expected to get there. He turns around and looks at us and he says, leave him there. He knows what he got into. We need to finish this. And that just shocks the shit out of us. That goes against the soldier's creed. Um, that goes against everything we were ever taught. So it went from, oh, we're doing a, an, an evaluate exercise to fuck you, dude. I don't care about your fucking score. We got to get him out of this fucking wire. And we did. And we even went on with the fucking exercise. And we completed it. And when it came time for us to uh, meet with our evaluator and he's like, what went right, what went wrong, we all fucking looked at him. And this dude who otherwise, you know, successfully executed the ambush, we all looked at him and we're like, you're a fucking terrible leader. You left him. You were going to leave him there. What part of no man behind did you not get from everything? Needless to say, at the end of it all, he did not get to commission with us. He didn't even graduate. He had a, he had a one, he had a point, I'm sorry, he had a 1.5 GPA. So he ended up getting kicked out. But if he had not gotten kicked out for that, he would have gotten kicked out because he was just a shitty leader. So stress will show you a person's true colors. There was also, you know, one of the, one of the really difficult things was that you had to do peer evaluations and the people who got the worst peer evaluations, like this guy's an asshole, this guy's lazy, this guy's untrustworthy, you know, you, you that did factor in. And, uh, you know, what they really tried to stress, and this was during sequestration during the Obama administration, uh, second term, um, you know, there was only, I mean, I, being, I, I think that they said there could only be 30. And it's funny because there were less than 30 that were able to commission. They were like, there can only be 30. So there's like, you know, 40 plus of us. You had people right in a, you know, and I had friends do this of me. They're my best friends. They're like, Martinez, we're going to get through this together. We're going we're gonna to succeed. We're going to get those gold bars. It's going to be the greatest day of our lives. Then we're all going to go, you know, Tuscaloosa and like get laid by a bunch of University of Alabama cheerleaders. It's going to be awesome. We're going to be like, you know, leaders of men and, you know, terrorists are going to fucking fear us. I look at the fucking evaluations from my quote friends and they're like, oh, you know, Mar Martinez just slow, uh, you know, just, I, I, I fear that he doesn't have the, the courage to be a leader. So they're writing this down because, and many other people did it, and they and they like it was it was actually a, a growing problem. The 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 PMZ actually pulled us in. He's like, you, you, a lot of you, I, a lot of you are are blue falcons. You're fucking each other, uh, because you know if you if you couldn't get it's like Survivor. If if you couldn't get rid if if you knew that there were other people who were probably better than you and more likely to succeed than you. This was your opportunity to bring them down a notch. And, uh, you know, it, it came down to stress and fear. And people were willing to betray their friends in order to do that. And it was one of those moments where it's like, it's just one of many. I can think of so many. Uh, but that was the stuff where it was like, this is actually going to impact uh, a, a person's future potentially. Like it was, it was just one of those things where it's like stress will show you who a person really is. Um, for use time to your advantage, uh, after you grad, after you complete ITC and you crest, which means you're a part of the core of cadets, you get to wear the crest of the core, uh, meaning you're part of the legacy and everything. 
other than training, unless you did like a lot of extra extracurricular activities and stuff, honor guard, drill, swamp fox, range challenge, whatever, you had a lot of time, like a lot of time. And in the town, there was nothing there. The nearest Walmart was an hour away. It was about a two-hour drive to Tuscaloosa, three-hour drive to Montgomery and Birmingham. You're in the middle of fucking nowhere. And the school had like nothing for you. So if you weren't studying or working out, um, you had to figure out what you were going to do with your time. And I mean, the gym, it was like a prison gym. And if someone didn't wipe off the equipment, they would punish the entire core and, uh, you know, close the gym down for like a, a couple days. And it was just one of the situations where it's like, there's nothing worse than being bored, stressed, and with nothing to do. And I, I think I, I convinced my parents to get me Hulu. So like I could spend all day watching TV and stuff and going online and seeing, you know, my people like my, my buddy Sean on the degenerate panel that, that you may have heard once or twice on the show. Uh, the goal afterwards, after I graduated was to go to university of Arizona, um, where Sean was and we were going to room together and we were just going to party. So, you know, Sean is texting me and calling me and he's like, dude, it's fucking lit down here. He's having the time of his life. He loved his time at university of Arizona. And I, I would have gone there except, you know, I ended up wanting to go Liberty university instead, which is the exact opposite. <laughs> but, um, you know, that's, that's, that's another conversation, uh, as to why I chose that ultimately. Um, but, uh, you know, I read more books, than I have ever read in any other period in my life. In fact, I was told that um, the two years I was there by the librarian, I had I had been I I read more I I borrowed and read more books that, from the library than any other cadet. Uh, I read a lot, and you know it wasn't always just you know like military strategy, history, leadership books and stuff. I read a lot of fiction too. Uh, that's where I really started reading Ayn Rand. Uh, more closely. I read a lot of political philosophy. Um, I mean, it was just about keeping my mind sharp and keeping my mind off the immediate environment. Um, also like, you know, I worked out like a mofo. You pro- if you see current photos of me, you're probably just like that dude's not American Ninja Warrior, but I, I, I got pretty good. Uh, you know, um, you know, not to boast. I, I was doing CrossFit. I was doing all that stuff. Like I was working out and you know, not just because I really had to, but just because it's like, what else are you going to do? There's nothing going on. Um, you know, I, I would sign up for, for seminars and, you know, at one point I even applied for a scholarship to go to, uh, the Cato university, which is done during the summer. So during the summer, after I completed LDAC, I immediately got on a plane to San Francisco and, uh, you know, it was just, it was just keeping busy. And that's why I've learned, you know, through, through everything I've done. It's like, you know, you've only got so much time and it's why I'm working all the time. Sometimes it's because I really need to do something. Sometimes it's just because I need to keep myself busy because the one thing I hate is when you go and you just watch like an entire season on Netflix of a show or you just waste time. And it's like, that's time you're never getting back. So I use the time there because I had it. And, uh, you know, I studied my GPA was better there than when I went on to Liberty. I don't, I don't, you know, I'm just glad they don't put GPAs on diplomas because my Liberty GPA it was <laughs> kind of scary because I was not utilizing my time. I was distracted. I was just trying to have fun, do all the things I thought I should have done when in fact I should have just been studying, working out, doing the things that I was really there to do. But yeah, I mean, use your time and a lot of people wasted it. And, you know, those are the people that are just like, you know, they, they fail or they get kicked out or they, you know, get removed from a program. And they're just like, man, I just wish I had used my time better. I heard so many people say that. There was a guy 
he was in the he was in my barracks. He was in the ACP program, and literally, he he would even skip classes for this. He would just play League of Legends. I don't know if that game is still around, but it was an online game. Uh, was was not studying, so his grades were shit. Was not working out. Never never passed a PT test. And when his parents came after they learned that he was getting removed from the program, they're just like, no, give him another chance. Give him another chance. Give him another chance. And, you know, the, the professor of military science was like, okay, convince me. What did you do with your time and what are you going to do differently? And when he told him he had spent all his time in his, in his room playing video games, the guy was like, you, you knew that this was an accelerated program, that we're going to have a very small number of this current class actually commission at the end of it. And uh, the dude was like, you know, at the end of it, you know, this is my fault. I did not take advantage of my time. So, you know, that's it. Use time to your advantage when you have it. And lastly, and, and this is what this is what I've always had to remind myself when I'm really going through a rough time, when I'm really feeling like I'm at the bottom of of where I could potentially be. When I showed up, they would do cadet. They they would do a OML a official uh, official merit list, which basically showed you your ranking amongst your peers. And my first OML of like the the seventy six uh, around uh, the seventy six people that were like around midterms, uh, you know, when we were doing midterms to see our our mid our mid semester OML, I was like seventy four. So like there were literally only two people worse than me. I was like seventy four. Um, when I commissioned, I was like in the, I was still, because my grades had slipped a little bit the last semester, I was a little bit towards the end, but like I was better than like 10 people and only like 27 had done it. So I was like in the, in, in the early twenties, mid teens, but you know, I looked at it and I looked at, you know, on stage, it's like, we've got 27 people. And we started with like 120 something at the beginning of this all. So I saw myself as, you know, I, I was the 1%. I was, I, I was the person who literally started at the bottom of the fucking barrel. The only reason that I was at least not crying myself to sleep at that point for being the worst was the fact that I realized that there were people who would literally just give it up and quit threw in the towel before they had before anything real had happened. This is just to assess who can actually qualify to at least begin the program. And, uh, you know, that, that day, um, you know, I graduate with my degree and, and I commission. It was, it was one of the greatest days of my life, but I mean, really, and I tell this to, to a lot of people where you start, isn't where you finish. And you, you have to want it more than anyone else does. Because I remember, when I was doing entry interviews with uh with, with the colonel who was in charge of our program, he asked me like, you know, why are you doing this? And I was like, well, you know, I want to serve my country, but it's gonna help me get a head start on my potential civilian career, and it's gonna teach me a lot of valuable skills. He's like, and I'm like, and you know, it'll make me uh, marketable to other people, and it'll make my parents proud. And he's like, listen, man, this is gonna be freaking crazy. We're gonna ask a lot of you. This is a program where very few of you are gonna get through. You gotta want it more than anybody. And that was it. Like I wanted to quit like many, many times, but I didn't, I, you know, I talked to my parents he's, and you know, they'd be like, you know, you can't, but like, we can't want it more than you want it. You have to want it. And 
you know, to go home after I packed my dorm at the end of graduation when I've got my gold bar and my diploma, like it, it validated that it's like, you know, this was, this was all me. I had to do it. I, I was lucky. I had good friends. I had good mentors. I was given a lot of good advice. I was given challenges that really taught me a lot about myself, but where you start isn't where you finish. So that's about it. And, and, you know, the other thing is I just had really, I had really poor confidence. I had really low confidence in myself just in life. <laughs> like, I, you know, I, I was just, I was just kind of a square guy. I still think I'm kind of a square guy, but like one of the things that had kind of pissed me off towards the end of my time there was that a lot of the core traditions and stuff, uh, you know, like shower parties where you, it's basically you just assault and throw shit at people on their birthday and you toss them in the shower and you, you know, you throw food and stuff on them. Shower parties. We, we taste somebody in one of my companies. It was fun. Stuff like that. We couldn't do, um, you know, there were just little, little traditions that I, I can't name off the top of my head. If I, if I looked through yearbooks, I'd probably remember, but like little traditions began to go away. And one of the things that, uh, was really unique was that on the on the bricks of the chapel, which was the admin building, um, the tradition was that every graduate of MMI can carve their name on the chapel bricks. And what they had told us was that we would be the first class not to do that and that it would no longer be a tradition because of, you know, it, it could possibly cause damage to the structure and all this other stuff. So we were just like, we went through all of this and we're like, they're taking this, this extra thing away from us. Like this is fucked up. So, oh, and they, and then they threatened, uh, they threatened that anyone caught doing it, keyword caught doing it, uh, would be fined $2,000 and, uh, would be sued for property damage. So me, uh, being a friend, uh, she was a softball player. Um, we were, we, we had actually gone on a couple dates, uh, that semester. I text her and I'm like, Hey, I got my multi-tool. It's, it's getting kind of late. It's a Saturday. A lot of people are gone. Let's go freaking carve our names on the chapel. So literally we did that. And, uh, you know, I put R Martinez because I want my writing to be bigger. And, you know, most people just knew me as Martinez. I'm pretty sure there were people that I graduated with who would never know my first name, uh, you know, unless we were like Facebook friends or something, because everyone just referred to themselves by their last name. So I carved my name. She carves her name. We look at, we look around. We're like, oh my gosh, we just did this. No one's, and it's in a part of the building that no one's really going to notice. Uh, and then, you know, I look over and, you know, she's looking kind of cute and I, uh, I go for it. Uh, I kiss her and, uh, she kisses me back and, uh, you know, we, we had a, we had a fun afternoon, you know, I'll, I'll leave it at that. Um, but you know, I, <laughs> I, I did something that, you know, me at the very beginning would have been like, no, you don't do that. You'll get in trouble. Don't do that. Listen, be, be, a, be a good, you know, rule follower and everything. So I go from that to two years later, having gone through all this shit, I'm like, fuck it, I'm going to do it. And then, uh, you know, I, I kissed this girl and I had never necessarily been much of a player. So for me, you know, I'd go my way and do that and succeed at that. You know, that was pretty cool. That was, uh, that was, that was fun. But, you know, it just taught me that it's like, you know, just, just take the chances sometimes. You just gotta, you just gotta get through it because, you know, unless, unless death is a potential opportunity, unless like, you know, severe jail time is a potential opportunity. You, I mean, you know, there are worse things than just failure. So to reiterate, Rule number, uh, you know, lesson number one, your fears probably are worse than reality. 
to you'll fail sometimes, but that that's the result of daring to try. Uh, three, stress will show you a person's true colors, including yours. Four, use your time to your advantage. And five, uh, where you start isn't where you'll finish. And the unofficial one, just be bold. Man, sometimes you just got to kiss the girl. You got to go carve your name and potentially get $2,000 fine. <laughs> but uh, there are worse things. Other than that, you know, I look back and maybe one day I'll go back to an alumni weekend, but I, I don't want to look back at all these things and just think it was all terrible, that nothing was gained. And, you know, I, 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 there were things that happened that, you know, I look back and it's just, it's just trivial in, in the, in the grand scheme of things. And, you know, while I wasn't necessarily like number one cadet, while I never got really, uh, some of the things I wanted to get out of being a, a member of the core, like I gained friends for life. I gained lessons for life, opportunities I would have never had. And I'm a better person because of it. So, I mean, I'm choosing to look back fondly, uh, you know, despite the challenges and the fears and everything else, because that's a choice to to change the, to change the lens in which you view the circumstances as a choice. And I'm better because of it. And these are the five lessons I hope benefit you in one way or another. Please, if you, if you liked this episode, share it with a friend. Leave me a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. I ask with every episode. It costs you nothing but means everything to me. And uh, I'll talk to you later in the week. As always, be good, stay safe, and I'll talk to you later. I'm your episode W. Martinez. Good night. You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Like the Chris Spangle Show, Liberty Explained, The Brian Nichols Show, The Boss Hog of Liberty, Freedom Strips with Keaton Tucker, On the Run with Rimzo Martinez, Gingerarchy with Trisha Stewart Mann, Upward Libertarian Activism, and now hear this. Tune in now and we're going to help you sound smarter when talking with your friends. 